Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. All right, you're listening to Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. Go to clnsradio.com to listen to all your podcasts. We have a new mobile app as well, and you can check that out. I'm here. I'm Jess Thomas and with Nathan Rollins. We're both beat writers for the Red Sox, hence why we're doing Red Sox Beat Show. So we'll, we'll get it started here, and we're looking to have a guest, uh, Tom Joyce, on at some point during the show. But for now, we'll we'll get it going and start talking some Red Sox. Nate, how you doing? I'm doing good, Jess. How are yourself? Doing well. Doing. This is our first show together, the two of us. We both yeah. We both worked with, with Jared before, but we haven't we haven't done it together yet. So we always got lots of Red Sox stuff to talk about, and we'll get going. So I guess we can start with Bill Middlebrooks because that was the most recent thing that happened for the Red Sox. What are your What are your thoughts on the Red Sox trading Middlebrooks for? Ryan Hannigan to the San Diego Padres. Um, you know, I can see the uh, the logic behind the deal. You know, Hannigan brings uh, an upside behind the plate. You know, he's an Andover native, uh, great defensive catcher, and you know, serviceable backup. But I, uh, you know, to replace David Ross, he he's a good guy to bring in. But um, the fact that trading Middlebrooks, you know, really killed me. You know, I was really up on this guy ever since he came up, and I watched him in the farm system. And, um, you know, it just came down to he couldn't hit the off-speed pitches. And, you know, him refusing to go to winter ball and all that, you know, I thought that was starting to get into ownership a little bit. And they, they just look at a kid and said, you know, this kid just doesn't doesn't want to put in the effort to uh, to improve himself. And, you know, it's definitely sad to see, but, um, you know, he wasn't going to be starting on the Red Sox this year, and he was probably going to start in AAA, so, you know. A change of scenery for uh, Middlebrooks as he heads to San Diego, and you know, hopefully a fresh new start. And I, I hope for the best for the kid. I really like him. Yeah, that's the problem with this situation at this point. He didn't have a place on the team. We got Pablo Sandoval, and where is he going to play? Either, like you said, he'll either go to to AAA or just not play. And obviously, at his age, 26 years old, you obviously want to play somewhere, and he obviously has potential, I think. But he just never put it together, and just kind of seem to fall out of the rotation and the trade obviously makes sense because there's there's just nowhere for him and yeah it's good to get Hannigan as a backup catcher because Ross probably wasn't going to come back since Lester left so we needed somebody and yeah Hannigan seems to be a pretty good pretty good defensive catcher and should be good good at mentoring Christian Vasquez because Hannigan's 34 years old so he's been in the league for I believe eight years so it's been a little while so he can he can be a good a good voice. So I I like the trade. I loved Middlebrooks. I have I have a shirt and I was a big fan of him. But he never quite got going. He just couldn't do it. And when that happens, you're not gonna have a place on the team. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, he, you're right. He didn't ever get going. And, I, you know, ever since that first year really breaking onto the scene, people were like, you know, who is this guy? And not many people knew of him and uh, not many people actually heard of him. And, uh, you know, he kind of broke on the scene unexpectedly. You know, he had that raw power. We thought, you know, he could be a potential uh replacement for Euclid, but as I mentioned before, you know, the off-speed pitches, uh, pitches just started figuring the kid out, and, uh, you know, like I said, I just hope for the best of him, and I think San Diego's a good fit, you know, big ballpark, but, you know, I think that's a place where he can go and he can really flourish, you know, get uh, used to the atmosphere in AAA and, you know, work his way up, and, uh, you know, I think he'll be back in the MLB level very shortly. Yeah, I hope so, too. He needs, needs to stay on the field, stop getting hurt, and change the scenery and you know, get figure out what he's doing in the majors because he'll need to figure it out soon. But in terms of the Padres, where he's going, brings us to to the next topic. The Padres have been making all kinds of trades. They recently got Justin Upton. They got Matt Kemp. They also got Middlebrooks. They got Derek Norris. So probably somebody else. I don't even you can you can fill it in if if uh, they got somebody else. But he. They just got so many players in their team now, and clearly they're looking to win now because <laughs> getting all these these big name players all at once, they're they're definitely making a statement in the off season. What do you think about it? Yeah, they are making a statement. You know, uh, the fans deserve this, and uh, you know, uh, watching the deals, you know, come in left and right. You know, first it was Kemp, then it was um, Will Myers, then it was Derek Norris, and then you know Upton. And uh, I was just sitting back and I was saying, you know, good for San Diego. They're finally putting together a serviceable middle of the order that can you know can protect who were their big bats. You know, the the little players like a Jed Jericho, you know, a Yonder Alonso. Now they got the big boppers who no pitcher's gonna want to go through that lineup and you know um I, I was talking to a buddy and he said well you know they don't have pitching and I, I looked at him and I said you know they I, I look at their rotation and I like their rotation better than the Red Sox to be honest with you, you know I think a lot of Kashner is an ace I think Kashner brings some raw stuff you know the kid can hit 100 miles an hour you know I think he can grow into that number one you know Tyson Ross last year you know he was an all-star people forget you know the wins may not have been there but he he put up like a, a two six seven ERA, I believe it was, and, you know, Ian Kennedy is your three-starter. Any team with that, you know, they you look at them and they have a deep rotation. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they went after uh, one more pitcher to, you know, really complete this team. And, uh, you know, they're putting together a good product next year. And, you know, um, like I said earlier, I'm just happy for the Padres fans because, you know, they deserved it. You know, after that season last year and after the collapse two years ago, um, now they can start to feel that winning environment and, you know, really pack the seats and, you know, hopefully keep this team in San Diego. Yeah, definitely. I, I didn't even think about Will Myers when I just mentioned who they got. So add one more to the list. And I'm actually reading it right now. I don't know if, if you've seen this, but they just agreed to a one-year deal with Josh Johnson. Did you see that? Uh, yes, I did. Um, I think they confirmed it today, but um, they had uh, they had agreed in principle uh, a few days ago. So, yes, I uh, read that. And, you know, they brought in the kid Morrow from uh, Toronto as well. So, you know, they're filling out a pretty good rotation. Yeah, it seems like they got the – the pitchers they need at this point so I'm really interested to see how they do because yeah they've just kind of been floundering the last couple of years I mean 70 win seasons kind of 60 win seasons like what last year they finished with it 70s I believe so, uh yeah I think it was a uh, low 70s yeah, 77 actually so oh yeah yeah, so, high I mean, 70s. You, yeah you add some players to that and you're you're up in the 80s maybe maybe the lower 90s I'm not sure how how good they can be in the first season but they certainly got 
a good complement of players that could certainly put 90 wins together if they all work together well. Yep, and you know, um, even the bullpen, the bullpen's uh, nothing to laugh about too, you know, um, they, they got some veterans, uh, you know, Benoit, they got the kid Alex Torres from uh, Tampa uh, last year, you know, I, I just look at them on paper and I think, you know, sky's the limit for this team, you know, they got a, a group of young players, you know, help is obviously concerned with uh, Upton and Kemp, but, um, and even Will Myers, but you know, if they can all stay on the field and uh, play, you know, three-fourths of this team's games, they're going to see a uh, drastic improvement. And, um, you know, they didn't lose much. And, you know, they still uh, bring back their uh, one of their leaders, Seth Smith. Uh, they still have their RBI leader, uh, Jajerko. So um, putting together a good team next year. And uh, I look forward to watching some uh, Padres baseball. And, you know, hopefully they can take down the Dodgers. Yeah, I hope so. I'm ready for some, some new teams to get in here and play some, play some playoffs and knock the teams that are normally in out because it's good to get some variety. Definitely. Yep. Fresh blood. Absolutely. So, talking more about different teams, let's talk about the Red Sox here and what they've got going this year. Uh, they, We obviously haven't talked about it because we haven't done a show together, but the rotation at the current time is looking like uh, Rick Porcello, Clay Buchholz, Wade Miley. Um, Masterson yeah, Masterson. and uh, Kelly. Joe Kelly, yeah. So, Pretty good rotation at the current moment. We obviously don't have that ace yet, but do you think that the team needs an ace to be successful, or if they kept it the same now, would that work? Um, you know, uh, if you guys have listened to this program, you, uh, you, many people know that I do not consider James Shields an ace. One bit, I've wrote many articles about why I don't, but um, you know, right now with this rotation. Uh, with Rick Porcello and Clay Buckholtz up the top, I think it is in a perfect spot to slide in a guy like James Shields. Now, the reason I say that and the reason I kind of take back that he's not ace, you know, in my mind, he won't be that ace. In my mind, um, why we needed an ace is we needed to roll with that ace in the postseason. You know, we needed that bulldog. We needed that guy who's going to be out there and pitching big games and win them for us, kind of like Lester did. But – my view has switched a little bit on this now is because now we have a guy like Porcello, a proven 15-game winner, a guy who's proven he can pitch against the Yankees, proven he can pitch against Tampa Bay. And I'm not as scared entering a postseason series with uh, two guys like Shields and Porcello because my point of view on it is why not just roll with the hot hand? Why not roll with the hot hand game one? You know, and then we can mix in a lefty game two, you know, Buckles game three. We, we have a variety of pitchers who are bound to, you know, get on rolls and who are bound to just stay hot. And, you know, we saw what Buckles could do a few years ago, you know, starting off 12-0, and obviously getting hurt. But, you know, the potential's there in this pitching staff. You know, Wade Miley was an all-star a few years ago. Rick Porcello's, you know, been pitching at that elite level. And, you know, I just think right now this rotation would be perfect to put in a guy like James Shields. Obviously not the, um, not the ideal ace, but... If they would open up their pocketbook and sign a guy like Max Scherzer, of course I'd want them to do that. But I just think the rotation, you know, like I said, is perfectly fit for uh, James Shields and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Rick, Rick Porcello at the top. And, you know, I hope I hope they do that because this team has a chan uh, chance to be special next year and, you know, every other year uh, Red Sox baseball. That is interesting that you want Shields now at this point because, yeah, you were pretty – 
pretty against it for a while, and I was with you in terms of the ace, but if you have a bunch of guys who are like almost aces, which is kind of what it's looking like at the current moment, or guys that could blossom into an ace, you could have a pretty good pitching staff. So my question to you is, if if the Red Sox do get shields, who falls out of the starting rotation? Um, I, I, I'm not sure I'm put it, pushing somebody out of the rotation because I'm going with my theory of rolling with the hot hand. And I don't mind if this team is a six-man rotation to open up next year. I don't mind if this team, you know, has a competition come spring training and if a guy just, like a Daniel Barr, just can't be in the rotation, which very could be like a Masterson guy, I, I don't mind them moving them. But, you know, I wouldn't bump anyone out of the rotation on a basis of signing James Shields, I would uh, I would open up the thought of the six-man rotation because I think then you have six quality starters. You know, Masterson is nothing to laugh at as a six-starter. That's a quality six-starter. You know, I've spoken highly of Joe Kelly. I think Joe Kelly's um, velocity, you know, his accuracy, I think he's going to be a very special pitcher for this team as well. And, you know, Miley's a good lefty. And I expect big years from all these guys. You know, I, I sort of always do. But you know, going into next year, I, I think this rotation has a chance to prove a lot of people wrong who said, you know, they don't have that quote-unquote ace in and, uh, you know, I, I just make the argument more and more. I just hope they do uh, get that one more guy like a James Shields or like a uh, Tyson Ross from San Diego to, um, you know, e- e- strengthen this rotation uh, even more. Yeah, my initial thought would be that if you went for a five-man rotation, the guy who would be pushed out would be Masterson, just based on how poorly he did last year. But then you think about if he's good, he could be getting 13 to 15 wins, and you don't think that's – that's not a guy that you'd want to push out of the rotation at the at the current moment if if he was that good. So yeah, I mean six six man rotation might make sense in that regard. But I like what you're saying about in spring training getting everyone competition and seeing who who really is doing well and and take it from there. Because I don't know if it's a six man rotation, but I think there's definitely potential for it. And I mean obviously they have to get a sixth guy for that to happen first, but. They're they're looking pretty good in the starting rotation. I think a lot of people were slightly upset with the moves because we should have gotten more for them, or however you want to look at it. But I think they're all good pitchers, and they're all guys who could who could win in in the future. Yeah, I agree with you. And yeah, you could even look internally at a guy like Anthony Renato, and you know, uh, kind of put him as a six uh, six starter, and uh, you know, kind of like I'm saying, bump the uh, the odd man out, bump the slumping guy out, you know, till he gets going, and then you know, insert him right back in. But uh, you know, we were able to catch up with um, Yaki Way uh, reporter Tom Joyce um, on his thoughts on the Baltimore Orioles, in fact, you know, the San Diego Padres and the um, Red Sox pitching rotation. So here's a, a clip from Tom Joyce's interview. Uh, right now we are joined by uh, on Red Sox beat by YockeyWay.com uh, reporter Tom Joyce um, to talk some Red Sox baseball. You know to look around the MLB and uh, you know get his insight. Uh, Tom, how are you doing today? Good. Uh, we're good. Um, I'm sure Just is good as well. Um, you know, a team would like to uh, touch on to begin with is the, uh, you know, the San Diego Padres. You know, people out in San Diego are probably even more surprised than we are, you know, acquiring big names like Matt Kemp, Will Myers, Justin Upton, uh, Derek Norris, re-upping uh, Josh Johnson. Uh, you know, what do you think the ceiling is for this San Diego Padres team? How good do you think they could possibly be going into next year? Well, I think they could be awesome, to be honest. I mean, 
I heard rumors, rumors about possibly flipping Will Myers for Cole Hamels. I mean, it's probably premature, but if they did that, just add a one more good starter, their rotation would be set. I mean, San Diego's not really known as a hitter's park, but they do have some good hitters. Pitching's really what they need, and so far, so good for the pitching, and they've just been able to add some bats this offseason, so I like the chances. Yeah, I was um, talking to Jess as well. You know, I, I said I liked a guy like Andrew Cashno at the top of the rotation. You know, I would actually prefer him on the Red Sox, you know, as our race. Um, he's a good guy to have. And, you know, Tyson Ross is no uh, no shabby tube pitcher at, uh, at all either. Um, you know, another team I'd like to touch on, you know, kind of similar uh, to the San Diego Padres, not this year, obviously, but in past years, you know, we're big spenders for, like, veterans is the uh, Baltimore Orioles. You know, we haven't heard much on the Orioles front this year, you know, um, as uh, additions, you know. You know, it seems like we've only heard of the uh, subtractions, you know, with a guy like uh, uh, Nelson Cruz going, uh, Nick Marcakis going. Uh, what's up with the Orioles? Um, are they just, you know, kind of biting the bullet and, you know, cutting back their checks? Or do you think they can – do you see them going out and do you see them signing a veteran? Uh, well, yeah. you know, so far I think they've only signed Wesley Wright as their only major addition, but I don't know. I They really just seem to be sitting on their thumbs at this point, not really doing much twiddling their thumbs, just sitting there. Maybe they have something planned, but right now it really doesn't look like they're adding much. It doesn't look like they're going to have that great of a team. Will they be decent? Sure. Will they be great? I don't think so. So, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Tom. What do you, what do you think? Since obviously this is the Red Sox show, what do you, what do you think of the Red Sox rotation? We were talking about possibly having I mean, a six-man rotation if we get uh, another player like James Shields or somebody like that. What would you think about a six-man rotation? I mean, I don't think that six-man rotation is necessary exactly, but it would be nice. Say you do get a guy like James Shields. You can just bump Masterson back to his old role where he's a spot starter. But I don't think that they'll do that because they gave him $9.5 million, And that's kind of a big investment just to put a guy in the pen. But, yeah, six-man rotation, I feel like it would be a pretty good idea. You just need six guys that can go out there and give you a good outing every time. And I don't know if they'll be able to do that. So do you think that they're going to get another starting pitcher or are they going to stick with the five they have? They might stand pat, honestly, because – I mean, Masterson had a bad year, but he's one year removed from being an all-star, if you put it that way. Yeah, I agree. I think they might just, just stick to the five. I'm interested to see if they make another big splash. Yeah. Absolutely. Nate, you got anything else? Um, you know, the last team I'd like to touch on would uh, be the Oakland A's. You know, from an Oakland A's fan uh, point of view, I've been reading things left and right. Fire Billy Bean, you know, what are they doing? You know, what direction are they going in? And, uh, you know, I, I have to look at it from an Oakland A's point of view. you got an MVP candidate at third base in Josh Donaldson. You know, you got a not-too-shabby first baseman in Brandon Moss. You know, you had an all-star catcher in Derek Norris. And they're all gone. 
you know, what can Oakland possibly do to replace the production that they lost? You know, can they do it with just pitching, or do they need to go out, and do they need to get another big bat, or do you just see them, you know, sort of like Baltimore, you know, just biting the bullet and, you know, having a rebuilding year? What could they possibly be doing? Well, that's a very good question, Nate. I think that personally, well, being pretty sure just sold high on a number of players. They were all-stars last year. Let's be honest, that's very appealing for other teams. Do you think they'll... They might not ever have another all-star year again, some of those guys. I don't know. I could be wrong. But he did get decent returns on all of them. Next year might not be the Oakland Athletics' best year, but then again, they kind of collapsed in the end last year. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you mentioned decent returns, and I look at some of the guys they got back, you know, with Jesse Hand, uh, a Bassett. You know, yeah, they're decent return, but none of them, in my opinion, are major league ready. And, you know, I, I just sort of seeing when they when they do become major league ready, you know, I, I just sort of seeing Oakland. I, I just don't see Oakland standing pat. I think they have too many young pitchers. You know, they got this kid Graveman as the number, mm. slotted in as their ace starter. You know, they have a lot of pitching and you know I just think they're in line to make a deal they didn't miss out on Justin Upton uh, by far you know uh, San Diego just ultimately had the better package you know in my point of view I, I just don't think Oakland's gonna sit back and I uh, sort of like Baltimore's doing I, I think they're gonna go out and I, I do think they're gonna get that big bat I don't I don't know if you agree with me or not so it's kind of tough though I mean obviously they're not really ones the ones that are sitting on a whole pile of cash. But, yeah, they'll probably be able to find something that suits their financial standings, I guess to put it that way. But now their farm system is pretty good. They might have some pieces to move in that respect as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and, uh, you know, that sort of goes down the line. I think a trade's coming for Oakland, and I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to sit pat. And, you know, before we let you go, Tom, I uh, wanted to ask you one more quick question, uh, you know, related to the Red Sox. And um, actually, two quick deals, you know. Have you heard anything new on Alan Craig? And going into next year, you had to name left, center, and right fielder. Who are your left, center, and right fielders? All right, I'll start off. Alan Craig, I do not see him in Boston next year. I just don't see it, to be honest. He could be dealt. Really? He doesn't have – he's on a down – he was coming off a down year. I mean, he has plenty of potential, but I just don't see him here. I don't know why. Yeah, you make a good point. But, um, you know, my point of view on Alan Craig is I, I just think he's a better player than Mike Napoli. And, uh, you know, I would prefer seeing a young guy like Alan Craig, you know um, – at first base, then Mike Napoli. Mm. Yeah. As for the uh, starting outfield, I think it should be left field, Hanley Ramirez. Center field, Rusny Castillo. He's been playing well in the Puerto Rican Winter League. Uh, right field, Mookie Betts. And uh could see Nava as a backup outfielder, backup first baseman. Victorino, kind of just the... Uh, Backup center fielder, right fielder, more of a platoon player. If you look at his splits against the lefties, he's thrived against them in the past. 
Yeah, you make a good point. And, uh, you know, uh, Shane Victorino, I look at as a guy like if Mookie Betts does go into spring training and does, you know, have have a breakout spring training, um, you know, I, I do look uh, at Victorino and say, you know, he could potentially be um, uh, potentially be a, a nice piece for a young team like a um, – like Kansas City or, you know, like a Baltimore or like an Oakland to acquire and, you know, uh, formulate their lineup. Yeah, I could see that as well. Hey, Tom, um, I got a question for you. Yeah. So, in terms of the Yankees, they have hardly done anything this, this offseason. They finally just made a move a couple of days ago when they sent Martin Prado and David Phelps to the Marlins for Nathan Eovaldi and... Garrett Jones, what do you think about that move and just what they're doing in general? Are they are they doing anything and what how are they going to be this year in your opinion? I mean, to be honest, I think that the, the fact that that's really the only major move they've made this offseason is kind of laughable. Jones, what's he? Platoon first baseman, not really adding much to the team, but maybe they have their eyes set on a guy like Max Scherzer, who knows. He hasn't really been close linked close to signing anywhere yet. And obviously, he's just going to go where the most money is. Who has the most money? New York. But I just don't see the Yankees having a great year next year, especially given that they're planning on having Alex Rodriguez, who sat out the entire 2014 season, coming back and being their full-time DH, essentially. Yeah, I I don't see that they're doing anything really either. And actually, the article, Yahoo Sports article I'm looking at right now, says that they don't appear interested in Scherzer or Shields, and they oh, didn't wow. seem interested in Lester either, so like they don't seem to be doing anything. I'm not sure what their plan is, but it seems like they're just kind of fizzling out into nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Tom, it's uh, been a pleasure having you on the uh, show, and before, you, uh, before we let you go, this is a question for both of you, and uh, if you both had to see into a crystal ball looking at next year's Red Sox team, um, who would you say would be the MVP of the team next year? Who would you say we need the most production from next year? And how many wins are you counting? Uh, do you see the Red Sox getting? Well, that is a uh, tough question, but <laughs> I, I guess the yeah. I'm trying to think. Perhaps the team MVP would be. Uh, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Hanley Ramirez could have a big year. I would be one guy. I'd count on. If you want, I know he doesn't play the field, but Poppy's always consistent. But uh, personally, for me, I believe that the Red Sox really need a big year out of two guys. Number one would be Pablo Sandoval. Last year he had a bit of a down year. Hit almost 280, 16 home runs. Needs to step it up a little bit if they're really looking to compete. Another guy would be Justin Masterson. He had a down year. If he has an ERA in the high fives, close to six, he's just going to be killing this team. And they cannot afford to have one bad starter in the rotation next year. I mean, look where it got him this year. Nowhere. Yeah, those are two uh, good picks. And quick, what's your win prediction for next year? Uh, I'll go, just to be conservative, 91. How about... Nah, that that's a good prediction, uh, you know. And Josh, how about you? Uh, your thoughts on who we need a big year from, and who you see as being the MVP? Yeah, so I see two guys as being as being 
very important to next year. And I'm going with the old guys, not the new guys. I think they need a big year from Dustin Pedroia and a big year from Clay Buckholtz. I think that Pedroia is due for a big year. He's He told Ben Charrington he's going to hit 450 or whatever the heck he said. Something crazy, which is obviously not going to happen, but I think he'll have a I think he's going to have a great year, and we need that. And I think Buckholz needs to get back on track, too. So I think those are the two guys to watch. I think give the team MVP to Dustin Pedroia. And for wins, I'm going to say I'm going to go a little lower than some people might think, just because, just to be different. I'm going to say 89 wins, but we still make the playoffs. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good prediction too. You know, as long as they're making the playoffs, and you know, you know, my guy that I think needs to have a big year. I'm in the same boat as you, uh, Dustin Pedroia. You know, people forget about how bad of a season this guy had, and people forget about how many runs this guy can really produce when he's healthy, when he's hitting at his highest potential. And you know, the sky's the limit for a guy like Pedroia. And you know, the the lineup really missed his production last year. And um, the team MVP uh, for me next year is actually a bit of a surprise. I think um, Xander Bogarts is going to have a, a big year, you know. Uh, a little less is expected from him going into this year as we saw what he could do last year. You know, he, he's a work in progress, but I think he will uh, get his swing ironed out in uh, spring training and, you know, expect him to be that middle-of-the-order threat, uh, you know, little ways through the season. And, um my win prediction for this team is uh, I'm going to stand pat in between you guys and go with 90. You know, I think this is a 90-win team. I think the AL East is, you know, uh, really down this year, and um, that that's my prediction for wins, and I do obviously think the team will make the playoffs. Uh, Tom, it's been a pleasure having you on, and um, you can find Tom on Twitter at TomJoyceSports. Uh, you know, Tom knows his baseball, you know, writes about Red Sox, you know, but, you know, his baseball knowledge goes beyond the Red Sox. You know, he knows a lot about all the teams, and uh, like I said, would like to thank you for coming on the show, and uh, enjoy your holidays, Tom. Thanks, you too. Yeah, I'll see you, Tom. See you later. All right, that was Tom Joyce from Yahoo A Sports joining us. He's always a good a good guest and a good follow on Twitter for sure. And you can follow us on Twitter as well. My handle is at CLNS underscore Jess Sayin. That's J-E-S-S-S-A-Y-I-N. And Nate, you can say yours. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, Baseball Rollins, uh, B-A-S-E-B-A-L-L-R-O-L-L-I-N-S. And that's where you can find me. I like that handle. It's a good one. All about, all about <laughs> the baseball. Oh, yeah. So this is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio, a fairly new podcast. It's gone great so far. Jared Scallion, Nathan Rollins started it, and I jumped in occasionally. And happy to be doing the show. It's a lot of fun. So we're going to jump into some more stuff here. Nate, I want to ask you about some more specific, some more specific players in the team. We kind of covered some things with Tom, but I want to go more in-depth with it with you. So I know you said that Alan Craig, you want him to be on the team and that he could possibly be better than Napoli. I'm kind of split on it. I, I, I want to keep him because I think that he is obviously way better than he was last year. At least I hope so. He sure was in the past. So I'm looking for him to do a lot of damage if he's healthy. And I think he might be a good guy to, to keep on board. So I'm with you on that. I also don't like him in a way, too, just because he was so bad. But I do want to give him a chance. So I like what you said about that. But in terms of other outfield 
people. Shane Victorino taunts that he could be a platoon guy. What do you think about Victorino a couple months ago saying that he is a starting right fielder, and there's no question about that? Uh, you know, I don't like Victorino as the starting right fielder. And, um, you know, I, I just look at Victorino, a guy who's going to open up the season the first month. You know, he's going to give you that 280 average. He's going to give you those few stolen bases. But then he's he's going to get hurt. And, you know, it's inevitable. This, this guy's going to get hurt. You know, hamstring injuries, you know, wrist injuries, you name it. He, he's just an injury waiting to happen. And I think if you do open the season with him as your starting right fielder, you're in kind of sort of the same situation. You were last year. Um, you know, I think you've got to give the starting right field spot to either Alan Craig or Mookie Betts. You know, now we're talking about two kids who have potential. You know, haven't been in the league long. You know, Mookie Betts is a guy who's going to be getting on base. I think the world of Mookie Betts. I think he's going to potentially be that 300 hitter, that 20 home run guy. And um, you know, I think if the Sox do end up trading Mookie, that would be a huge mistake. And um, and a guy like Alan Craig, people are forgetting this guy batted 315 uh, two years ago. He was an all-star for St. Louis. Uh, he had 97 RBIs uh, two years ago, 92 the year before that, you know, 22 home runs uh, three years ago. This is a guy who has the potential. This is a guy who has a nice, smooth swing. He has a, a you know, he has a Fenway swing. I just think people are giving up too early on a guy like him. He gets on base a lot. He walks a lot. He doesn't strike out a lot. He hits for a high average. And I think just after one down year, you know, an injury riddle 2014, people are giving up on him. And I, I just think it's the wrong thing to do. I, I just really like Alan Craig. And I think if the Sox do trade him, I don't think they're going to get the right return for him for what potentially he could be. Yeah, I think people are giving up too early on that. I think it's a good point. But I think that's that's Boston for you. If, you. if someone struggles for a bit, they're going to be all over you. And I think people were wondering if he has the right mentality and the right the right fit for Boston, but I don't think you can tell that in in two months. So I think I think he's a guy to keep around for sure. Uh, I want to move to other positions, but before we, before we leave the outfield here, do you think it was the right move to trade Cespedes because he also only had two months to show what he could do here? What do you think about that trade? Uh, do I think it was the right deal? Uh, yeah, I do think it was the right deal. You know, he wasn't going to be coming back to this team, and the, the Red Sox obviously needed that pitcher. You know, once we heard we weren't going to be able to get Lester, you know, once we heard Shields' price tag, you, you know, you kind of had to move on, and you kind of had to start moving fast to get that pitcher. And, you know, the only way we were going, going to get that return, it that, you know, quote-unquote guy who can be that ace is trading a big battle like Cespedes, you know. Wherever you traded him, the team was taking on a huge gamble, not knowing if he was going to resign. And quite frankly, the Sox didn't really need him. They had too many outfielders, you know, they had too many options to put at first base, you know, right field, left field, that why keep a guy like Cespedes on the team and have a guy like Betts, you know, Craig, you know, um, you name it, uh, Nava, all on your bench, you know, it didn't really make much sense to keep a guy like him. And obviously not knowing if you're going to re-sign Rick Porcello, you know, that's kind of a stinger, but, um, you know, you got the pitch you needed, and uh, I think a big part of this has to go on Ben Sherrington, you know. He moved very quick in this offseason, you know, uh, adding two of the best players in the free agent pool at Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez, and, you know, signing those two really uh, could make this deal happen. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they had to they had to get rid of Cespedes. 
to to get pitching, and that's what they did. So so be it. But I agree with you on on Mookie Betts that it would be a bad decision to get rid of him. He had spectacular start to his career. I'm wondering if he's going to hit a little little uh, slump next year, just because of how how fast he came out of the gates and how good he was and how much everyone liked him. I hope he can just keep it up. But that's what he's been doing all through the minors. He's been he's just been ripping up the league and. We'll see if he can continue that, but definitely a keeper. you got to keep him. But I want to see what you think about Brock Holt because he was so good last year, and he's kind of become the forgotten man in all these trades. And he can play so many different positions, up to six positions. But do you think that he has a place in this team? Should they get rid of him, or will he be a big contributor? I, I definitely wouldn't get rid of a guy like Brock Holt just because of the uncertainty with injuries. You know, you're dealing with a guy like Kaylin Ramirez with some injuries. You know, you're dealing with a guy like Pablo Sandoval, you know, who's who's really overweight, who has to lose some weight. Um, you know, Bogarts, he's as injury issues. You know, we obviously know about Pedroia's wrist injuries. You know, you just have too many uncertainties on this team uh, come health-wise. So, you know, you really got to keep around a guy who – you know, is a super utility guy who can who can pretty much play any position, but what like catcher, and you know who can who can get on base, uh, you know, at least one or two times a game, and you know, that's important to have. You know, he started off last year uh, red hot, you know, tailed off at the end, like uh, any baseball fan would expect. You know, a guy like that, he's not going to hit 340 the whole season, but um, he's definitely a keeper for a super utility man, and like I mentioned, the injuries, you know. Too many uncertainties, so I'd definitely keep him around. Yeah, there's, I think that's a great point about the injuries because no one expected him to do anything last year either. Like, who's Brock Holt? Well, we found out because because of injuries, and he got pushed into action. So I think he's definitely a guy to have around because of injuries. That's a great point. So keep Holt, keep Betts, keep Craig, and keep them all. <laughs> so in terms of the bullpen, how do you see that playing out? So we got Koji Uihara back. We still got Tozawa and other, other guys like Mujica and possibilities going to the bullpen, Matt Barnes, Brandon Workman, if if they don't get traded, possibly Anthony Renato. Uh, we just got Craig Breslow back. So do you think there's any more needs for the bullpen, or is it set how it is? How do you see that playing out? Um, I do like the bullpen. Uh, you know, obviously a big uncertainty going into next year is Koji Uihara. Can he return to a dominant form? Or are we going to see um, – you know him as shaky like he was last year. You know that that's a big, big part of your bullpen, your closer. But um, you know even if he is shaky, I think Mujica could be possibly ready to step into that role. You know Mujica had a bad start to his Red Sox campaign, but you know we knew he wasn't that bad, and you know he really finished off last season very impressive. I think he posted under under two ERAs final uh, couple months. You know. Um, a guy like Tommy Lane, he's a big, long, lengthy lefty. You know, I, I like his upside. You know, Breslau, you, you got Britain, you, you got three quality lefties in the bullpen who are all ready to get left-handed batters out. You know, they're very good against lefties. Uh, they're pretty good against righties. You know, Breslau, not so much. But um, I like the direction of the bullpen. I think they could use one more arm. And even if they don't get that one more arm, you mentioned internal options, you know, a Barnes, a Renato, you know, Embry, uh, excuse me, Hembry, uh, Escobar, Verrero, uh, who they just got from um, Atlanta, you know, he, he pitched 70-something games last year. So, you know, they, they have a good bullpen, and, uh, you know, time will tell, obviously, you know, bullpens kind of take a little while to mesh together, but um, I don't mind their bullpen. I, it, it could be worse. 
Yeah, I like the bullpen too. I I think there's a lot of uncertainties in it right now. A lot of a lot of possible unproven guys, but if they can come together, I think they'd be a good bullpen. But something to keep an eye on for sure. But I think they got a good a good uh, group of players in the bullpen. The team looks pretty good overall. I mean, we got we got good players at all positions. I think it. I think they're they're pretty good at this point. Yeah, we do. And uh, you know, I, I look at this team. And I look at the depth chart a lot. And, um, you know, I see a guy, Vasquez, behind the plate who can really help these pitchers. You know, he's a great defensive catcher. You know, he calls a good game from what I've seen. You know, his bat's a work in progress. But, you know, I, I think he can really benefit from working with a guy like Ryan Hannigan. Hannigan's been around the league for a long time. He was pretty good with Cincinnati. You know, when Tampa traded him, I'm like, what are they doing trading Hannigan? But, um, you know, he's a good option to have. But, um, you know, a position I'd like to touch on, and this is actually a big uncertainty, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on this one. Do you see Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, on this team's roster next year? And if if you do, is he in Double A, Triple A? Is he on the MLB roster? What's up with him? Well, he's definitely a mystery because of how bad he was at, at hitting, and then he went to the minors at the end of the year and didn't improve his hitting at all. He came back exactly the same hitter. So I don't I don't see there's any way he starts in the majors. I think Double A is pushing it a little bit, so I say he starts in Triple A, but. They might want to get rid of him, too. I mean, we've got a lot of outfielders, and he might be able to help another team more. I, I love his fielding. He's, he's so fun to watch, but if you're going to be hitting 205, 200, under 200, you're not really fit for a major league roster. So I say if they don't get rid of him, start him in the minors. See if he can hit. He's got he's to gotta figure out how to hit and hit well, like 300 in the, in the, in the minors. If he's got to have any chance of coming up here, it's just he just doesn't. Doesn't seem to be able to put the bat in the ball, and not sure how much he can improve unless he changes something because he's always late on pitches, he's always fouling it off, and just doesn't look comfortable at the plate. So I, I don't see him as a future piece here unless he really figures it out fast. Yeah, I, I don't see him as a future piece uh, either. And you know, when I look at a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. and I ultimately uh, evaluate him and decide, you know, what can this kid really do? How can this kid improve his game? And you know, two things I think he does need to work on is I think he needs to work on his bunting. One, if he wants to get on base, you know, he needs to use that speed. And two, uh, the type of hitter I think he could turn in. I think he could turn into a guy like Ichiro, you know, a slap hitter down the line. You know, a, a really good bunter. You know, he's a fast guy. He's a great fielder. You know, if he can start to get on base with bunts, uh, you know, slap hits down the third baseline, little things like that, he will start to gain his confidence and, uh, you know, ultimately be, you know, a serviceable guy on a uh, major league roster. Yeah, I think I completely agree with that. One player I'm not sure about, I want to see your thoughts, Ruzne Castillo. I mean, everyone's so excited about him, but we don't have anything really to base that off of because he's obviously never played in the majors so is he really going to be the answer and is he this is he going to be the center field of the whole year and is he really as good as everyone thinks he is because i'm not sold what about you 
Oh, oh, I love Castillo, you know. I, I look at a guy who, you know, he had 40 plate appearances last year, you know. Two home runs, six RBIs, you know, three steals, you know, he batted 333. You know, this is a guy who I think has the chance to be, um, you know, a special kid in the outfield. You know, he has the chance to be one of those Fiat leadoff hitters, you know, one of those, you know, kind of like Ellsbury was. A guy who could take you out of the ballpark. A guy who can get on first. A guy who can steal two bases, you know, I think he will be a big factor, and I think a guy who will really benefit from Castillo's emergence is a guy like Pedroia. Pedroia's really missed that key leadoff hitter like Ellsbury was, and um, I, I just think the sky's the limit for a guy like Castillo, you know, seeing what I saw filmed with him in Cuba, and um, he just he just looks, excuse me, I don't know why I said Cuba, Puerto Rico, he just looks like a guy like that can rake. Fair enough. I <laughs> I can go with that. I want him to be great, no doubt. I just, I don't think we had enough to look at last year, but he was good. He was certainly good in his time here, so I hope he can be the a good leadoff hitter and a great center fielder. So I'm certainly willing to give him much, much of a chance because I think he definitely could be good. Yep, I, I do, and uh, you know, I don't know why I corrected myself and said Puerto Rico, but I meant the World Baseball Classic when it was there and when he was on the Cuban team. Uh, just, uh, just to uh, let you guys know what I was talking about. Um, all right, so we are joined back by Yucky Way reporter Tom Joyce, and uh, you know, since Jared Scally is not here, you know, we can kind of do a little break the rules. You know what I'm saying, Just? Yeah, we'll break the rules. <laughs> so we're going to uh, introduce this, uh, you know, sort of debate. And to finish off the show on a high note, like I had mentioned uh, before, we have Tom Joyce back. And I read an article um, from Yawkey Way Report uh, recently on a column that Tom Joyce wrote that he pretty much believed that when Bobby Valentine was in Boston following up Terry Francona's tenure, that, you know, he quote-unquote said, you know, Bobby Valentine worked with what, what he had, and, you know, he did a pretty good job. I was all over him, and I said, you know, that's ridiculous. You know, he didn't do a good job. Look at how bad the team was. But, um, you know, Just is kind of in the same boat I am on this topic. And, you know, we want to hear first, Tom, uh, why do you think Valentine did a good job? And then we'll hear uh, from Just as to why he think he was pretty much trash. All right, well, uh... Obviously, he wasn't at the level of Francona for good managers. But, as you said, he worked with what he had. Look at look at some of the players he had there. It was like... I hate to be negative, but some of the players he had were just crap. Let's be honest. I mean, from the rotation, having Aaron Cook, Daisuke, probably one of the worst years in like Major League history, and his 11 starts... Just how about you? I mean, he was horrible with dealing with the players. He was he was never doing it the right way. He was calling them out to the media. He called out Euclidus and then Pedroia backed up Euclidus. It's just he was he had a terrible way of dealing with things and especially comparing it to people like Frank Capone and Farrell who take the player back and into the clubhouse and talk with them and work it out behind the scenes. Bobby Valentine would just do things out in the open and just anger people and make for the tabloid headlines. And he was just, I didn't like his personality. Just nothing about him like made sense in Boston whatsoever. And I think he had plenty of good players to 
to deal with on the team. The team wasn't that different from year to year, and I think he just did an awful job of dealing with his players. Yeah, um, yeah, Bobby, the Red Sox obviously had a horrible year under Valentine, you know, a 69-win team, and, you know, I'm just going to read you a quote of what Valentine said. He said, I understand this decision. Uh, this year in Boston has been an incredible experience for me, but I am as disappointed in the results as our ownership and the great fans of Red Sox Nation. It was a privilege to be part of the 100-year anniversary of an old Fenway Park and to honor with to be in a uniform with such great players and coaches, my best to the organization. You know, I look at a quote like that from Bobby Valentine, and I said, and I said to myself, and I said, this guy's just talking crap. You know, he when I looked at him and, and I saw how he dealt with some players, he just didn't look to me like he really cared. He didn't look to me like he, he cared about this team winning once they really went to four and ten. And you know, they, this team didn't break five hundred until Memorial Day. This was a team who was in some trouble and. I thought they had a lot of good players on there, but um, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Tom. Um, you know, d- did you expect the Red Sox to really be this bad under Valentine? Well, obviously, no. You wouldn't expect the Red Sox to be that bad coming off a 91 year, but it was just little things that fell into place that made them bad. I mean, was he in the right all the time? Absolutely not. Did he say some stuff he probably shouldn't have? Absolutely not. Absolutely. He made mistakes. Every manager does. He just happened to be in the spotlight a little bit more. Injuries kind of killed the team. Decline of Kevin Euclid. Dustin Pedroia was hurt most of the season. I mean, David Ortiz got hurt, but it didn't really matter at that point because they weren't going anywhere anyways. Lester had the worst year of his career. Buckholz was the best pitcher on the team with a 4-5 ERA. Personally, I think one of the biggest problems on the team was Bob McClure, the pitching coach. That guy, that's a guy I think just didn't even care. And he got fired middle of the season because he was that bad. How about uh, you, Joss? What do you think? Well, the way I see it is just you can say he made mistakes and all of that, but he wasn't made for to be a manager in Boston, and you can blame that on the on the ownership if you want for getting him in here and thinking he was. But I think he thought that he was a good manager for this place. He seemed like he was all into it, and he was going to be this voice of reason, and he was going to solve all their problems and make sure that it was a, a great clubhouse and stuff. But like Nate said, I don't think he cared at all. He was, was just. I don't think he established a sense of anything at the beginning of the season. I think the season just started and and things happened and he was just like, "Oh, well maybe I should maybe I should figure out how to how to deal with the situation." And then in a lot of people's opinion, including mine, he dealt with it the wrong way. And the way that he was getting the players against him, I'm I'm reading an article here from from when he got fired. David Ortiz said Quote, to be honest with you, I ran out of patience last year, and I'm a player, so I can imagine the fans where they're at. A lot of players had a lot of issues with our manager last year, and organization is like the human body. If the head is right, the body is going to function right, but if the head is messed up, then the body is going to be all over the place, and that was part of our situation last year. Guys were not comfortable with the manager we had. Guys were struggling. If David Ortiz says that, that means something, because Ortiz is the leader of the team, and he's kind of the voice of reason, and if he thought it was that messed up, then how, how could it not be? 
Yeah, and, and you do have to wonder what was going through, uh, you know, ownership, uh, you know, their mind when they made this high. You know, you're talking about a guy in Bobby Valentine who before his time with the Red Sox, you know, he hadn't won since, uh, he hadn't managed, excuse me, since 2002 with the Mets. And when they hired Bobby Valentine, I, I looked at it as a sort of head scratch. You know, you're talking about a guy who's just sitting there on TV, you know, now all of a sudden in the manager spot of one of the best franchises in baseball. And, you know, that, like I said, that was sort of a head scratcher to me. But um, I don't see as highly of Bobby Valentine, I know, as you do, Tom. You know, when I look at Bobby Valentine, I look at a guy who, you know, spent majority of his uh, manager split time with the Mets and the Rangers. You know, this guy's only got one NL pennant. You know, he's got a 504 winning percentage in 16 years as a manager. How could you justify to the players when he was brought in yet they you know this was the right hire Tom? Well, to be perfectly honest, the um the market just wasn't there for managers that year. It was kind of weak. I mean, there was talk of trading for John Farrell, who's on the Blue Jays, which, I mean, obviously they ended up doing. But in the market, it was like Dale Swam, Tony Pena. Not really much to choose from. And, I mean, they just went with the most experienced guy, it seemed like. Because Swam really didn't have much experience as a manager. Yeah, I do agree with you that there was there wasn't a huge pool of managers. Um, you know, just I'd like to get your take on that as well. Well, I think the manager's choice was was better than than that. I mean, it wasn't great, obviously, but I think anybody would be better than Bobby Valentine. And like you said, Nate hadn't hadn't managed since 2002. He just he just wasn't ready for it, and I think he should have quit being a manager at that point. And I don't know, it was just a disaster. He just and I don't even – I try to forget about the season because it was so bad. But the way he dealt with the media, too, was terrible. Like, I never learned anything ever from what he said. Every press conference he'd do after the games or with with anybody, he would just say the most generic stuff and told us absolutely nothing. And it was just so boring and nobody ever – nobody got excited about anything because he was just not a very exciting person in the first place. He just kind of bored everyone to death and just angered everyone. He wasn't good with the man, uh, the media, and uh, you know, come the you know through the course of the season, it seemed like he was getting worse and worse as the uh, you know the team was getting worse and worse, and as you know, people were starting to point fingers at him, you know, in the lack of production from you know the outfield, the pitching rotation, you know, it was just a complete debacle uh, that team. And I'm gonna finish up this excellent debate with one more question. Uh, Tom, you can start this one off. Uh, should Bobby Valentine get a chance to manage again, and why? Uh, I mean, after that season, he's just viewed so negatively everywhere that I'm going to go ahead and say no. He's the athletic director at Sacred Heart in Southern Connecticut. I think that's the perfect job for him for now. He's got that restaurant he owns. He makes appearances on ESPN. I think that's good for him at this point in his career, because 2012 was just an ego kill for him. The media yeah. tore him apart. It was funny how um, as he got out of baseball and he went right to an athletics director job at Sacred Heart. You know, that, that was a little bit surprising to me. Uh, how about you, Josh? What's your spin on this? Yeah, it's a pretty far fall from uh, Red Sox manager to athletic director, director at Sacred Heart. No, I don't think he's going to manage anymore. I think he's 
he wore out his welcome. I think he wore out his welcome before that. He's kind of always just been a loudmouth who who doesn't who people don't like. I think manager's the wrong job for him. He's not someone who needs to be in the public spotlight, and I don't think he will be again. Yep, uh, I do agree uh, with both of you. I don't think he uh, would be a manager again. Quite frankly, I don't think he deserves to be a manager again. You know, there's plenty of guys who haven't gotten the opportunity, as you know, who haven't really showed what they have. And, you know, uh, lots of teams are, you know, content with their managers. And um, that, that's uh, that's an important key. And, um, you know, I want to thank both of you for uh, coming on and doing this debate. And I want to thank all the uh, viewers um, and listeners and downloaders who have listened to our Red Sox beat today. Um, I am Nathan Rollins, joined by um, Just Thomas and uh, Tom Joyce of Yankee Way Report. And we want to thank you again for listening, and uh, we want to say happy holidays. Thank you.